Hello, happy Thursday, and welcome back to the podcast. Today we are going to dive deep into the subtypes of type 7, but first, today is rose, bun, and thorn. So my rose for today is matching loungewear. I am very late to the game on this. Everybody, all year 2020, everyone was like into this matching loungewear thing, and I just like never pulled the trigger, and I did it for my birthday, and I am loving it. It's just like so nice to feel like I have something cozy to wear around the house, but like it matches. So it kind of feels like I got dressed up. You know what I mean? My bud is waffle Saturday. Um, every Saturday morning I make waffles and I'm very much looking forward to that today. The thorn is that I have not yet gotten my family on board with for Waffle Saturday. It's like in my head, it's this really exciting thing that we all do together and we all look forward to like, oh, when I grew up, I always had waffles on Saturdays. Um, and like, they're just not into it, you know? Not like not like I am. So it's, it's kind of a lonely, it's a lonely thing, but it's also still fun, you know? Um, okay, so if you've been a friend of the podcast for a while, then you know I believe subtypes offer us more distinction in the Enneagram types than any other element of the Enneagram. So the work of Beatrice Chestnut is my personal favorite and subtype work specifically. So as I mentioned in our intro episode, I'll be heavily referencing her work in this series. She knows that and she's okay with it. Um, now let's dive into the subtypes of type seven. I wanna be clear that if you're still getting your bearings with what type seven is, then I would encourage you to listen to my type seven breakdown episode first and then come here for this one because otherwise you'll be missing a bit of crucial groundwork that adds much needed context. As a refresher, there are three subtypes of each Enneagram type, social, self-pres, or sexual. Sometimes we call that one-to-one or sometimes we call that intimate. We all have all three subtypes, but typically we have one that is dominant, one that is repressed, and one that is secondary. In all of our subtypes of seven, we're going to talk about their relationship to gluttony or pleasure seeking. You'll find that each subtype expresses gluttony in its own unique way. So first let's talk about the self-preservation type seven. The title for this given by Chestnut is Keeper of the Castle. In this type, gluttony is kind of in networking. They form alliances, or maybe they form a friend group that becomes more like their family and they usually have kind of a privileged position in that network and therefore they they feel like they're completely supported by people. This type is the most practical of the sevens. They tend to be opportunistic and they're really good networkers. They're the kind of person on a panel I heard a self-press seven say recently, I have a guy for everything. So if you, you know someone who always knows the right person to call, they might be a self-press seven. This type is focused on getting what they need and want and are constantly looking for opportunities and pathways to do that. Now this type seven tends to be warm and talkative. They wanna consume as many pleasurable experiences as possible. They spend a lot of energy on attempts at controlling everything. So they, they do tend to get what they want as well. They tend to do it by force. Like I'm gonna do it, I can do it, I will do it. They may confuse want with need, thinking that they need a lot to survive. So when things get tight, they may panic and feel like they're living with too little. Um, a direct quote from Chestnut, who is quoting Naranjo, um, is according to Naranjo, the three main fixations of the self-preservation sevens are strategy, rebellion, and isolation. Though it may be hard to see these characters as isolated because they tend to be very popular, but their strategic and mental nature, together with the prominence of their self-interest, can isolate them from others at a deeper level. 
When sexual is secondary in their stacking, the self-pres seven can look like a six because they are pretty focused on like getting their needs met, like wanting to be prepared, right? Because they're just like wanting to make sure that everything's gonna be okay. However, this type is, is kind of relentlessly positive. So unlike the six, they're like, everything's gonna work out, everything's gonna be okay. When social is secondary, they can look like an eight um, because they are kind of like good leaders. They tend to be um, vivacious and bold. However, they're still driven by survival fear or anxiety, even if they aren't fully aware of it. And I will say in my personal opinion, I also think that this type can mistype as a three. However, in general, sevens are always going to prioritize feeling good over looking good, right? They're going to be more focused on how do I feel in the situation over um, do I look successful in the situation? Okay, so let's move on to social seven. The word for this one is sacrifice, and this is the counter type. So the social seven focuses on a kind of anti-gluttony. So there's this push-pull with what they want and then a fear of being too selfish. Um, a direct quote from Chestnut is, if gluttony is a wish for more, a wish for taking advantage of all you can get from a situation, there is a hint of exploitation in gluttony, but as the counter type, the social subtype wants to be good and pure and not act on their gluttonous impulse. So this is a person who wants to avoid being excessive or excessively opportunistic and who works against any unconscious tendency they may have to exploit others. They put aside their desires in pursuit of an ideal. So this type seven, they strive for purity. So um, I, I used an example recently with a friend. I was saying, you know, my, my whole life, you know, is, is kind of built around like, how can I make sure that I'm improving all the time? So as a social seven myself, an example of that is I'm constantly doing life experiments and struggling with limiting or doing less with getting more out of less. Um, you know, I did this like month long season of not spending a dime on anything other than just what I absolutely had to spend money on, like groceries and gas. Um, but otherwise I didn't spend a dime. These are the kind of things that I've always kind of built my life around, just like a constant reforming. And um, I, I know those of you who know the Enneagram are probably like, but doesn't that make you a one? And we'll get into that in a second. This type can look five-ish in the sense that they value getting by on less. Um, you know, there's almost this, this praising of doing more with less. They crave acknowledgement for their sacrifice. So their sacrifice is the price they pay for their neurotic need for admiration, right? Because that need for people to, to be like, oh, you're such a good person is so high. They may feel guilt for getting what they want because they see it as taboo or self-interested. So an example from my own life in this is that when I was growing up, you know, we would go to the movies and we I had a lot of siblings. And if we went to the movie that I wanted to see, there was this kind of tension there of like, oh, I want to go see this movie, but I feel so guilty for getting my way. And, you know, that has continued on into adulthood, just kind of like this navigation of I want what I want, but I feel terrible when I get it. Like, I feel like I sh I'm not supposed to have it. Um, this type does tend to be altruistic, idealistic, and dedicated. A direct quote from Chestnut is, their idealism is in part based on rationalizing ideologies, so that if any of their beliefs are proved wrong, they can simply replace it with another rationale and then explain this change as evolution. 
given this, they may have an underlying sense of panic about losing their idealism as, a, as they fear that that would ultimately lead to apathy and emptiness. I think this, this quote is a really good way to distinguish this social seven and a one, right? Because they are able to adjust the belief system to match what they want instead of instead of feeling the obligation to change what they want to match their ideal, their um, belief system. Um, the other types that this, this type can look like are type two, because again, they're very self-sacrificing. They like to put other people first, um, even on the micro level of like being the last one to walk through the door, they can, you know, really prioritize other people's needs. However, instead of being relationally driven, they are self-referencing. So they do still know what they want, know what they need, and they're just choosing to not give it to themselves versus a type two who is so relationally oriented, focused on like, how do you feel about me? I want to make sure that you feel good about me. So they over-sacrifice to earn that love. And um, all right, so we move into our sexual seven. The word for this is suggestibility. So this type experiences gluttony for idealism or a sense of the higher world. Um, to me, I would say that this is the most obvious seven, like they're not likely to mistype. Um, a direct quote from Chestnut is that these sevens tend to look at things with the optimism of somebody who is in love. Everything looks better when you are in love and the sexual seven takes refuge in this kind of ideal. Positive experience is a way of unconsciously avoiding what be, might be unpleasant in life. They focus on a highly positive view of life to distract themselves from the uncomfortable or scary emotions they would rather remain unaware of. So I think this is the perfect description of a sexual seven. These sevens tend to look at things with the optimism of somebody who is in love, right? It's kind of this, I, I just want to feel good. Everything's going to be okay. Kind of more rose colored glasses way of looking at the world. This type is the type who can be a bit too happy. Um, I put that in quotation marks as, as though they've, they're covering up their pain with joy. Um, and their inter internal narrative being like, it's okay. I'm okay. It's okay. I'm okay. Um, you know, it, it almost sometimes looks very clear to other people like, oh, there's, they're a little too happy. Like something's not quite okay here. Like maybe they're, they're, they're compensating for something. Obviously, as our sexual sevens do work in their lives, it becomes less and less like that, but kind of at the average to lower levels, this like happiness as a mask for um, their true emotion is, is pretty prevalent. This type can be a bit naive or even gullible, trusting that people are what the, people are what they say they are. You know, if you are looking at the world with rose-colored glasses, you just assume everyone's got good intentions, everything's going to be okay, everyone's looking out for everyone else, and it's just kind of a reminder that, you know, sometimes they get themselves into situations that aren't quite what they expected because they expected the best. They want to make sure that they aren't missing out or lo losing anything. Um, they're kind of, they want to try everything kind of type, which a lot of, you know, all sevens do, but this is the most kind of obvious version of that. This type may struggle the most with follow through or getting their ideas into action. They are dreamers first and doers second. So dreaming just feels better than doing, right? So they may just stop at the dreaming part to get the good feelings and then not really follow through with the action. Um, and again, this one is unlikely to mistype. It's just kind of the more obvious of the sevens. 
So, and uh, as our food for thought comes in, I was thinking, you know, as we're talking all things seven, let's talk about freedom. Um, This quote is from Peter Marshall. May we think of freedom not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what is right. Thank you guys so much for joining for today's episode. If you have a second, leave a rating and review on iTunes. If you can, it means a lot to podcasters and your five-star review would mean a lot to me. And as always, I will see you tomorrow for the next episode.